0: and well. Amen. Amen. Who's ready for the word today? Praise God. I am ready to bring it to you this morning. I want to uh, point out that uh, yesterday we had corporate prayer. We have that every month, the fourth Saturday of every month at 10 a.m. here. And um, each time we gather, we, we put out a little prayer focus sheet. These are available at the guest and connect table Uh, on your way out today. So um, stop by and pick one of those up so um, you can be in on the loop of the page of prayer with the church. Amen. Well, let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel. We're going to be in the Old Testament for the duration of our message. We're going to get our inspiration and insight. 1 Samuel Chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. is where we're going to be at. Before we get there, I want to point your attention uh, to the screen for our opening verse this morning. It's found in Romans eight. You turn to First Samuel 17 and you can look at the screen for first, or excuse me for Romans chapter eight, verse 35. The Apostle Paul, he writes these words, he says, "Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love?" Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. In verse 37, he says the answer to the question, no, Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Say that part again. The answer to the question Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? His response is no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Through Christ, who loved us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your presence, and I thank you today for our church, for this opportunity, this privilege to be together as the family of God. There might be some here today who have been in church all their life, some who have been in and out of church, some who have never been in church, some who are coming back to church. Lord, I thank you for what you have to speak to us today. And I pray, oh God, that you would open up our ears and help us to hear and open our hearts to help us to receive and understand what you want to speak to us today. I pray and ask God that the power of the resurrection of Christ Jesus would be expressed in your word today. Right now, oh God, I... Loose and pray and ask that you would bring about right now a spirit of victory in our gathering. Help us, O oh God, to see by faith on your word you have overcome. And with you, we have overwhelming victory in our lives. So, Lord, whatever any one of us are dealing with, facing at this moment in our life, I pray. That the power of the resurrected Christ, the overcoming one, the, the one who is more than a conqueror would rise up on the inside of us today and change and shift our thinking and our thoughts, our focus and outlook and perceive that we are overcomers in Christ you get glory and credit and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen and amen. There's a quote from Oswald Chambers in his devotional book that he has written famous, My Upmost for His Highest. He says this right here. He says, No power on earth or in hell can conquer the spirit of God in a human spirit. It is an inner unconquerableness. Can you say the word unconquerableness? Come on, say it again, unconquerableness. It's a unique word. It's not a word. He invented the word, but he's Oswald Chambers, and his book is published, and millions of people have read it, so it's okay. Unconquerableness. No power on earth or in hell can conquer the Spirit of God in a human spirit, it is an inner unconquerableness. Today I want to start a message that's actually going to turn into a couple of weeks because there's so much to unpack and so many things that I believe God wants to teach us and share with us out of his word, out of 1 Samuel 17. A message that I've titled Straight Out of Bethlehem. Straight Out of Bethlehem. I know some of you Folks are thinking straight out of Compton. Don't raise your hand if you've seen the movie. Don't raise your hand if you ever bought any of Dr. Dre's ice cubes or Snoop Dogg stuff. Bow, wow, wow, yippee yo, yippee yay. Where's Karen at? Where is Karen? All right, Karen, I got to say it. Why is Snoop Dogg carrying an umbrella? Faux drizzle? I just exposed my whiteness all over the place. (laughs) Straight out of Bethlehem. They might be straight out of Compton, but we serve a king who is straight out of Bethlehem. Who comes bearing the name and the title undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, of the universe, of universes. Whose name is matchless, whose name is powerful, whose name is almighty, whose name can never be defeated, whose name is above all names, whose name is above cancer, whose name is above poverty, whose name is above sin, whose name is above anything and all things that we could ever face and ever come into contact with. His name is above all names. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's straight out of Bethlehem, and he makes no apologies, and he bears no shame and regrets. Because on his 33 and a half years on the earth, he gave his every heart and soul and life for the world. He overcame so that we can overcome one of my favorite stories that we're going to go through starting today is found in 1 Samuel 17. It's about the story of David and Goliath. I know a couple of us might be familiar with that little story. But I love this story. It's about an underdog who takes on a champion who's not just any guy. He's an over nine foot tall champion named Goliath. I love underdog stories. I love the comeback-type stories in this world. And this is one of those. This, this particular story shares it all. It, 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 it shares a lot of things. It, it shares challenges. It shares about opposition. It talks about adversity. It talks about jealousy it's got some fighting involved in it it's got a little drama a little action it's got resistance in there it even talks about doubting and it's got all these things but it ultimately leads to to the big thing and that is it leads to victory the story leads to victory not for the wrong guy but for the right guy the good guy wins i love this story i love stories about the underdog in fact i often find myself rooting for the underdog in in any kind of competition that I might view or watch or sit at, I, I just unless it's my team, of course, sometimes they're in an underdog position too. But but anyway, I love I find myself rooting. I could pick up in a in a football game fourth quarter, and I don't care who's playing. I'm just going to root for the guy who's not winning. I'm going to root for the team who's not winning. I just find myself wanting to see an impossible thing become possible. I want to find myself seeing the thing that, that, that looks like, man, that looks like it's over, and I want to see them fight back and come back and, and overcome in that match, in that, in that struggle. I just find myself in that position. Anybody else find themselves ever rooting for the underdog? Any, yeah, it's just a good story. It's a good feeling. It's, yeah, I like it when the underdog comes back and, and takes over and, And wins and not cheating I don't like cheating to do it but I'm talking about the way we're intended to do it and I love stories about about that and this is one of those particular stories talking about overcoming straight out of Bethlehem subtitle an overcoming spirit an overcoming spirit that's really what I want to linger on today about having an overcoming spirit. Check out these verses that talk about overcoming. Romans 12, 21 says, Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. 1 John 5, 4 and 5, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And, Who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's check out the next set. Revelation 21.7 says, All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. 1 John 4.4, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, because the Spirit... Who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Let's check out the next set, Revelation 3.21. Those who are victorious, they will sit with me on my throne, Jesus says, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne, John 16.33. Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, and here on earth you will have many trials and Sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In the last one, Revelation 3, 5, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. The Bible is clear and teaches us that we have opposition. We will have opposition in our in our life, and we will experience trials and tribulations and adversity and resistance. And three particular areas that the Bible teaches us that we will experience this opposition from is one, the world, its systems, its patterns. And Paul is clear in teaching us to tell us in Romans twelve two to stop being conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed, get your life changed by the renewing and the changing of your mind. So the world and its patterns are there, but we're told to stop conforming to them and let Jesus change our life. Another opposer that we will experience and face in our life is the devil. Not in person, although sometimes we think somebody and some people are the devil, but they're not. But the devil, we're told, hey, He's clever and crafty and a deceiver and the father of lies. But we're told to resist him, to watch out for him, and to stand firm against him. And then a third area that we battle, that we battle real real close, is called the flesh—our own flesh, other people's flesh. We're told by the Apostle Peter to. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift us up in due time. Humble ourselves. So opposition is real. It's all around us. You and I face it all the time. We face it at different various degrees and difficulties at different stages of life and seasons of life and sometimes by choices of life. And always, there's always going to be the measure of sin in the world that causes this kind of stuff just because that's how it has been and we'll be till Jesus returns and makes all things new and makes everything right and takes away all pain and removes all doubts and, 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 and completely annihilates problem after problem. So I want to talk to you today about having an overcoming spirit. Although opposition is real, Jesus, through his word and, and, and through the inspiration of the Apostle Paul, our opening verse, Romans 8, 37, that despite all these things, despite all opposition, despite all problems, despite all pain, despite all the things you and I will face and, and put up with in our life, Paul says with a, with a reassuring sound that despite all these things, that overwhelming victory, not a close get-by, not by the skin of our teeth, not, not barely getting there, but overwhelming victory is ours because of Christ Jesus who loves us. Victory and overcoming can only be found like this in God. An overcoming spirit. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. This first part of this, uh, of this message is going to deal with one thing in particular and that is fear. Fear. Fear hinders Fear cripples, fear paralyzes us, and if you and I want to ever overcome anything in our life, we can't live by fear. We can't be afraid. A lot of things make us scared, a lot of things out there that, that can cause us to be fearful, a lot of stuff. Some things are passed down to us from generations past, just because that's how they were, and Grandma and Grandpa and so-and so and so, they live by fear and it kind of got passed down to some of us. and others it's learned fear. We pick up it, we pick it up and are taught it and all these things. but fear, if you and I, we can't, we can't live by fear if, you, if we expect to be overcomers. Doesn't mean we won't ever deal with it, Doesn't mean it's not real to us? It, it is real, it happens, it exists, but we can't be ruled by fear. Amen? Amen. I talked to a couple people today. Let's look at verse 1 through 3. The setting of the story. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped. And Saul, countered by gathering his troops, the Israelite troops near the valley, So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Say, the valley between them. First thing we need to understand, if you and I are going to have an overcoming spirit, is we can't live being afraid of the valleys in our life. Let me say it this way, don't be afraid of the valleys in your life. Valleys, all of us, every single one of us will go through valleys at different times, different valleys from different stages and seasons of our life and our walk with Christ. We will face valleys. But here's the thing about valleys is either you can go through them or you can stay in them. You can go through them or you can stay in them. The Psalms talk about two particular valleys. Psalm 23 talks about, David says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid. But he uses the word, as I go through. And later in Psalm 84, the writer says that they go through the valley of weeping, but they make it a place of refreshing spring go through going through here's the thing about valleys valleys can cause us to lose hope when we hit some down spots when we go through some rough times when we get caught up in the middle of some cycles of bad decisions or or things that are happening against us to, without our own without our own involvement can things can come against us. Valleys valleys Death valleys, dark valleys, grieving valleys, sad valleys happen to human beings. We are ransacked throughout our life with horrible pain and emotional distraught. Valleys are not fun. They can cause us to lose hope because they make us forget what the mountaintop feels like. You stay in a valley long enough, it'll make you forget what the mountaintop ever felt like to begin with causes us to lose hope. Valleys also, they cause us to linger in disappointments. Valleys make us linger in disappointments because they make us forget. They make us forget what victory feels like. Anybody ever been disappointed? Disappointed? things didn't turn out right, didn't go your way, didn't turn out the way you hoped, the way you even planned. There's stuff all the time that happens that we can get disappointed about. We can go through valleys that bring about disappointment because then the longer we stay there in our disappointment, the longer we forget what victory even feels like. You know what victory can feel like. Most of us. Some of us are here today sitting here thinking, man, I sure would like to know what victory feels like, felt like again. It's been a long time since I've had the thrill of overcoming and victory in my life. I've been so behind and so down and so discouraged and disappointed that, boy, it sure would be nice to have some victory in my life. And God wants to put that inside of you. It's called an overcoming spirit. Valleys can make us lag behind make us lag behind cuz they can make make us forget that life is worth pursuing and God is worth praising that's what valleys tend to do they tend to cause us to lag behind and not break forth and push through because they they cause us to make us forget that man life really is worth pursuing and God really is worth praising And you see, when we will praise Him in our valley, we will eventually get through it and we will get back to the mountaintop. But we have to remember that God is worth praising and life is worth pursuing. You only get one shot. You only get one chance, one opportunity in this world to live. To really live opportunity to live victorious you know valleys make our spirits feel dry and they make God feel distant you don't have to raise your hand anybody ever felt like that felt dry in your spirit and God feels distant see valleys have a way of doing that to us valleys have a way of sucking it out of us valleys have a way man of pulling it out of out of us and leaving us fatigued and and, and, and leaving, living in despair and, and living in that manner because they make us forget certain things, valleys. Make our spirits dry and make, make God feel distant. And here's the thing about valleys. Valleys are made for us to go through and not stop in. As I go through the valley of the shadow death grieving and sadness and weeping and whatever and despair and disappointment all these different things that can happen to all of us we have to have the mindset is we can't be afraid of the valleys in our life if we're going to have an experience and live as an overcomer because see overcomers don't put up shop in a valley overcomers go through the valley Jesus displayed that. Jesus modeled that. The disciples even had to learn that and go through that. The early church that was started had to had to understand that life is full of valleys. But we, as his people and his followers, to, to continue to share and be the light of hope in a dark world, we have to show people that valleys don't go through us. We go through valleys. And I know sometimes life feels like, man, this valley is going right through me. It is getting the best of me. It has chopped my legs off and I am down to where I can hardly move and I sure can't see. And taking my breath away and, all, and it making me feel all kinds of stuff on the inside. Sometimes I don't even know which way is up, which way to go, which way to turn. Valleys have a way of doing all these things to us. But we can't let valleys go through us. We have to be people who go through Amen. Talking about having an overcoming spirit. Walk through the valley. Why? How? Because God is with you. God is with us. Let's look at the second thing here. Verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistines' rank to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed a measly one hundred and twenty five pounds. Anybody ever put any clothing on that weighed 125 pounds? Says he also wore a bronze armor. Now this is important. This part right here is gonna come back at the very end of this story and it's gonna come back at the end of this message, not today because we're not going to have time to get to it today. But when the next time comes, when we get to this, you'll see it. Uh, his, uh, he wore also bronze-leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on the shoulder, and the shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer, I don't know why he had one of these, but his armor-bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield, as if really he needed it. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He said, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Say, terrified and deeply shaken. If we're going to have an overcoming spirit, we can't be afraid of the enemies in our life. We cannot be afraid. I told you this first, today's message deals with fear because fear cripples us. Fear paralyzes us. (laughs) Fear has a way of stopping us in our tracks. But if we're going to have an overcoming spirit, you and I cannot be afraid of the enemies in our life. Whatever is against you, whatever is against you, it might be your past. Your past might be against you. Guess what? Sign up. So it is for the rest of us. But it's what we let God do with our past that can change our present and make our future secure. Our past. In fact, really, Scripture's clear to teach us to leave it behind us. How do we leave our past behind us? We put it under the blood of Christ. We put our past under the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood is powerful. His blood never loses its power. His blood gives us strength from day to day. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not your hard work. Not your self-will power, not your white knuckling it to try to get through this thing and change your outcome. Nothing but the blood of Jesus has the power to completely annihilate and shatter and destroy. So what if people dig it up? So what if people call it back out and say, here is their ugly past? All you have to do is remember, if the past is really the past, then put it behind you under the blood of Jesus. In fact, the Psalms teach us this, that as far as the east is from the west so are our transgressions that have been removed from us that's a whole other teaching on the tabernacle Michael Turner taught on it back in April I taught on it back before that it's a good message go in our archives on our website you can pull it up talk about the east from the west but that's how powerful the blood of Christ is to remove our past from us Whatever is against us, we can't be afraid of our past. If you and I live afraid of our past, we will be paralyzed and ever able to move forward in our future. I know that can sound like a good pep talk. Good. Good little pet rally to a, to a game, to a bunch of people getting ready to go out and play. I know that kind of stuff. But it is real. it is real. You are surprised. you would be amazed how if I talked to you guys and took a poll and, and just shared the numbers, how many of you actually are hindered by your past? Choices you made, the way life took you, things that happened against you and happened to you. Many of us still live looking in our rearview mirror. And you know what happens when you drive your car, if you can drive, and you look in your rearview mirror trying to go forward. What's going to happen? It won't take but just a quick New York minute for you to run off the road and, and not be on the right path, right? That's what happens in our life spiritually. Whatever is against you, you can't be afraid of what is against you. The entire army of Israel, they were afraid. They were terrified and deeply scared. You and I can't be afraid of what is against us. It might be, might not be your past. It might be your present problems. It might be the stuff right now that you're facing, This very stuff right now that, that has raised its head, that is surfaced to the top, that is right in front of your face, that is right there evident and visible to you, your spouse, your household, your friends, your coworkers, whatever, or it might just be something in your own secret chambers of your heart that really not everybody really knows or no one knows, but God knows and you're dealing with it. It's a present problem. The Bible's clear on that is, hey, we can get help in our time of need from God, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ as we can come boldly to his throne of grace and ask and receive the grace and the help we actually need at that time. We don't have to, because of what Jesus did with his blood and his life and he opened the veil, it allows us to come boldly, confidently to the throne of grace. Whatever it is you are carrying around, whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're trying to get over, whatever cycle, whatever pattern, whatever stronghold, whatever issue, whatever it might be that's going on in your life right now, You can bring it boldly to the throne of grace because there's one who is strong enough and able enough and wise enough and good enough and loving enough to actually help you deal with your problem. It's called prayer. Your present problems might plague you, but you can gain strength over them and victory over them by praying. Bring your problems to God. Bring yourself to Him. Bring your issues to Him. And He's ready. He's willing to help you actually deal with them. But it, it, know this, it might actually make require you changing some things. It might mean you have to change your attitude, your outlook, the direction in which you're walking, the way in which you're walking, the way you go about certain things. If you really want change, that means you've got to change, right? The only thing constant about change is change our present problems might be against us right now but we need to go to God in prayer authentic humble transparent vulnerable communication relationship with him prayer changes things maybe you also could gain power you can gain power from his word you can gain power from his word. Amen. Can I see that? Gain power from, from his word. So, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what decision to make. I don't really know what, what I need to how I need to handle this situation. You gain power from his word. You think, well, but my situation, man, I had never seen that in the Bible. You'll gain power from His Word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You want to know how to act, you want to know how to talk, you want to know how to walk, you want to know where to go, you want to know how to deal with whatever you got to deal with. You get power from His Word. It seems like we want everybody else to have an input and a voice in our matter and our concern and our issue. But God has already spoken and it's already been declared. There's already a stamp of authoritative approval on what it is he says will work and won't work in this life, in this world, in your situation. You will gain power from his word. And you know what? You know what else will help us? To have an overcoming spirit when we have to face things that are against us, might be our past, might be our present problems, just might be some pushy people. Anybody ever deal with some pushy people? I know none of you in here is a pushy person. But we all deal with those pushy people. <sighs> pushy, 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 pushy. Pushy people. Don't they get on your nerves? And if it's the person next to you, don't don't give them any inclination that they're the pushy person. Some of your your eyes just got froze and looked straight ahead. They're like, I'm not looking to the left or to the right. I'm not even going to breathe right now. Pushy people like to push other people, buttons. You got buttons. Not talking about these buttons, but buttons inside. That man, you just get the wrong person doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Just seems to push me to my limits. Right? Pushy people, the flesh. Man, it's. Let's face it, there's over 7 billion of us on this planet, and we're going to run into a few thousand of them over the course of our lifetime. Some you live with, some you'll end up dying beside. Either way, the flesh has a way of just really getting at us, right? Pushing people. Whatever is against us today. Here's, here's the thing about pushy people. you stay, You begin to take a stand for what's right and you'll see real fast who's really with you. It don't take but just a quick minute. You stand up for what is right, what is true, what is noble, what is righteous, what is holy, what is godly, and you'll find real quick who is with you don't even have to know everything about the situation, but if you'll take a stand for what is right, for what is true, and you find out real fast what kind of people are with you. In fact, here's a good thing to remember. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. I dealt probably the first, uh, I probably dealt the first 25, 6, 7, 8 years of my life with this stronghold of fearing what people thought of me. And from time to time, I still get caught up in that. It still kind of tries to flare up and, you know, stick up inside of me and fear of human opinion it says it disables us it causes us to not be who we are really created to be when we have the fear of what other people think other human beings who have flesh and bone and blood like us who hurt when they get hit who who cry when they're upset and who laugh when everything's good human Beings, when we are ruled and afraid by what other people think, it disables us. Quickly, we are disarmed. Quickly, our security goes down and we become insecure and we feel inferior. We feel doubtful. That's why it's so, such a tough time frame of adolescence. When our young people are being fashioned and formed and growing up, it's easy for me to tell my daughter, hey, well, don't, who cares what people think? She can't comprehend that at nine. It's tough. I'm starting to learn about that. So pray for me. It's different for a guy as it is for a girl. I know that. I told my wife this morning, I'll never understand females. And God gave me four. Three to parent, one to Go through life with good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I'll never understand. I just told her I hope I grow in my understanding. Any man can say amen to that. time, fellas, don't leave your preacher up here hanging. What are we talking about? Having an overcoming spirit is what we were talking about. I need to wrap up. Let's get to this last point. Verse 12. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse. He was straight out of Bethlehem. I put my words there. He was from Bethlehem. I say straight out of Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time. He had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah, they had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David, David, David was the youngest. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. And for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army, and one day Jesse said to David, Son, take this basket of roasted grain, these ten loaves of bread, carry them out to your brothers, give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. see how your brothers are getting along, and bring back a report to me on how they're doing. David's brothers, again, were with Saul in the Israelite army at the valley. They were fighting against the Philistines. Number three, if we're going to have an overcoming spirit, that's where we'll stop today then we cannot be afraid of the familiarity of people. I that last little point in number two segued into this one. You and I cannot be afraid of the familiarity of the people in our life. How did everybody see David? They, Everybody around David saw him. He was the, actually the last one to be picked to be the king by Samuel. In fact, Samuel went to all of David's older brothers first, all seven and thought each one was the one. And, they, and God had to speak to Samuel and said, Man, you don't need to look at the outward appearance. That's what everybody else does. I look at what's in the heart. Because what's in the heart is re- really reflects what's in a person. And he said, Now, I've chosen somebody else out of this family. So he, he was the last one to be... He was the youngest in his family. That also depicts he was also the smallest. The youngest and the smallest. So he had no bearing of reflection of a king. And he was also the gopher boy. He was always being told, go for this, go for that, go for them, go for me. But how did God see David? God saw David as a singer, saw him as a songwriter, saw him as a skilled musician, saw him as a sling-throwing shepherd, and he saw him as a king. So David had a choice to make. He wasn't sure what was about to happen, but somewhere in David's heart, in David's mind, he was already previously anointed to be the next king, So there was this process of time that had to go by. And here David found himself about to have a date with destiny that would determine his disposition for the rest of his life. And David had a choice as to how he would view himself. Would he view himself the way other people viewed him, or would he view himself the way God viewed him? And you and I, we have the same choice to either live by the small view of what others have of us, or we can live by the God-sized view that our God has of us. Some of you are here today, you're doubting. You're in the doubting part of a valley. You're you're in a doubting stage of life and you're doubting, can anything good come from you? Can God redeem me? Can he bring the right one into my life? Can he fix the mess I'm in? Can he overturn the accusations that have been brought against me? Can God really make me victorious in this predicament that I'm in? how do you view yourself you see if david would have lived by the view of others then david would have remained in the pasture all his life but david knew he was destined for more nothing wrong with the pasture it was in the pasture where david penned his psalms and it was in the pasture where david sharpened his slingshot ability and it and it was david's psalms who positioned him in the palace, and it was David's slingshot ability that positioned him in front of the Philistines. God had to, wanted to reposition David for him. the next thing of his life, really the, where, what he was really created for, what God had prepared him for all these years. And you see, God wants to reposition some of our lives as well. He wants to reposition us as well, but it's all about our view. It's all about how we view ourselves. Do we allow the view of other people, the familiarity of what everybody else knows about me? They know my quirkiness and my stupidity. They know some of the choices that I made in the past. They know they're very well of my frailties and my weaknesses. see the familiarity of people it's going to always be around us but we can't live afraid of it see this first part of this message straight out of bethlehem having an overcoming spirit we got to face our fear you and i are tempted to let fear rule us fear is real and i don't undermine fear it's real it's it's there it exists, but fear is never intended to rule us because fear hinders, fear cripples us. What about it? Fear. God's word says don't be afraid. How? Why? Because God is with us. Amen. Don't be afraid if you're going to have an overcoming spirit, which is an inner unconquerableness. There is no power on earth or in hell that can conquer the spirit of God in a human spirit. It is an inner unconquerableness. Let's stand to our feet. So we serve a God who is an overcomer. And he created us, he made us, he hardwired us to do that as well. A lot of stuff keeps that from happening. But there's a guarantee that makes it come to pass in our life, and that is his spirit alive inside of us by faith in Jesus Christ. What are you afraid of today? You're afraid of people knowing some stuff? You're afraid of people, what they might think about you? You, Are you afraid of what you actually have to face in order to have victory? What are you afraid of today? The valley that you might be in right now Don't stop there. Don't stay there. Go through the valley. Go through the valley. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try to delay it. And and certainly don't set up shop in the valley. Go through it. Go on. Go on. Go through it. What are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of today? Are you afraid of what's against you? God says you need to trust him because he is with you and he is for you. God is with you and God is for you. God is with you, and God is for you. What are you afraid of today? Get God's perspective on your life. See your life the way God sees you. You're here in His presence. His presence is one of the surefire ways to guarantee that we can get his perspective on our life. I want to pray for you today. If you're battling fear of any kind, you're afraid. You may feel paralyzed. You may feel like you are defeated. You might feel like hope is gone. Some of you, I know that. I know some of you in here today, you're feeling like you don't have any hope. You're feeling like there's no way you can get past this. Is there a way out of this? I want to pray for you this morning as we conclude this morning. Talking about having an an overcoming spirit. What are you afraid of today? It's bow our heads. Anybody, you got fear trying to cripple you, fear trying to paralyze you, fear trying to get the best of you. Let's lift our hands if that's you and you say, man, I need prayer. Pray for me. Pray for me. I don't feel like much of an overcomer today. I don't feel much like the enemy has been defeated in my life. I don't really feel like it today, but I know I want it. Lift your hands. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. Just lift them up. Father, I thank you today for these people. Lord, right now I pray for each and every one of them that you would loose a spirit of victory on the inside of them. That God, I know sometimes we have dark days and we have disappointing days. Sometimes those days turned into weeks and months and Seasons, but Lord, wherever we are, I know there's seasons of, of struggle and seasons of setbacks, but today I declare this is a season of comeback for these folks. Where the enemy has tried to destroy and kill and take away. Where we have been overwhelmed and overshadowed by different things and circumstances in our life. Right now I pray that heaven would open up over every life. Hoping heaven would open up over every life right now and shine. Shine. Shine on each of these hearts. Shine on each of these lives. Where there are folks here today that feel whooped. Folks here today that feel weary. Folks here today that feel like, man, they have just given it all, but they don't know that they can actually make it. Today, I pray right now that you will lose a spirit of victory on the inside of these people today. In the name of Jesus, I pray that Jesus, your name be lifted, your name be exalted right now. For the power of your spirit, move on every single one. And begin to build them up. Begin to edify their spirit. Begin to exhort them. Encourage them. Open their eyes to see. Give them the right view, the right perspective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's declare that. Let's declare that in this song real quick. Put a seal out, put a stamp on the end of this thing. Oh, we
1: trust in our God. Who do you
0: trust in today?
1: And through His unfailing love.
0: Come on, declare it. We
1: will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. Declare it for you and your household. We will not be shaken.
0: Come on, make it known.
1: Oh, for we trust in our God. And through His unfailing love.
0: Come on, build your faith level up right now. We will
1: not be shaken.
0: Be shaken, we will not
1: be shaken. Sing it out. Oh, yes,
0: for we trust in our God. Come on, make your soul know this, and through His unfailing love, make your heart feel
1: this. We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken, we will not be shaken, yes. Oh, for we trust in our God, oh, and through His unfailing love, we will not be shaken, We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. For in the hour of our darkest day. Come on, right here. For in the hour of our darkest day. Right here. We will not tremble we won't Come be on you need to open your mouth some afraid. of you you're, you're
0: resisting what God is wanting to do in Hope you right now is
1: rising
0: like You need the light to sing it of dawn don't make me throw my shoe at you.
1: For us, because Jesus overcome. loves you. Come on, this is it. For in the hour of our darkest days. Come on, sing that over us. We will not tremble. We won't be afraid. Hope is rising like the light of dawn. Our yes. God is for us he has overcome Yes For we trust in our God Who do you trust in Oh went through his unfailing love We will not be shaken We will not be shaken We will not be shaken, just the voices. Oh, yes. For we trust in our God, and through his unfailing love, we will not be shaken, we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. One more time. For we trust. Oh, yes. For we trust in our God. Oh, and through his unfailing love, we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. We will not.
0: Oh. Mm. amen. You guys receive that? Believe that today? Come on, let's give heaven our applause. Jesus, yes. want to declare the benediction over your life today, this blessing over your life this this day as we prepare to exit our time of worship. And if you need prayer, personal prayer, please come forward at the end as we dismiss and There will be leaders and pastors here to pray with you and for you if you need that. It's found in number six. It says this, The Lord bless you by constantly bringing good into your life. The Lord keep you so that the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross should guard all that is sacred and precious about you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you by having His glory always shine on your life. The Lord lift up His countenance on you by always letting you know that He is fully present in your life and is self-giving to you. The Lord give you peace, a peace that is unthreatened and undisturbed, And may your soul feel its worth in the significance of Christ Jesus as you go today. Go forth in an overcoming spirit that exists and lives inside of you by Jesus Christ. And parents, stop by the connect table. Pick up our New Life Kids Blast for this month. And always don't forget we have a prayer focus sheet for you to pick up. You can be praying for our church and our community. If you need prayer, please come forward. We love you. Have a great and powerful week.